Well, beloved, let's go to the word of the Lord. Luke 19, verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a Sinner. Then Zacchaeus said and stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I, I, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold, which is four times the amount that I hustled from them. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Our title, my family, for this time is Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Now at this point in our text, the ministry of Jesus is in full swing. He has been teaching and preaching in all of the synagogues around the regions of Galilee, Capernaum, and Judea. Everywhere he went, it says that reports about him spread through the entire region. Everyone had either heard of or was talking about this man at some point in time or another. In Mark 6, verses 23, it says, When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and harbored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately people recognized him. And this is before pictures and Facebook and Twitter. Immediately people recognized him, ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Meaning they may have heard that Jesus was over here so they went over there. It doesn't matter if he was actually there or not, they heard he was there. So they went. 
Wherever he entered, into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. We don't even have all of their names. So we can assume that anytime Jesus healed someone, there are maybe 10 more people that we didn't even hear about. So by the time he made it to Jericho that day, his reputation had preceded him. And again, there was a large throng of people almost sweeping him along. There were some in the crowd that believed the stories that they had heard about Jesus and they wanted to get close to him. There were some that didn't believe and they just wanted to see what was going to happen. Just wanted something to do that day. There were some that hoped that Jesus would be the one that would save the children of Israel from yet another hated enemy of the people of God. Just like they had been saved from the Egyptians by Moses and from the Philistines by King David. There were some that needed to be healed. There were some that just needed a touch from the master. There were many reasons that there was such a large crowd and no one could agree on what everyone there that day was thinking. But there was one thing that everyone there could agree on in the crowd. And that was that they all hated a man named Zacchaeus. Now, we are told three things about Brother Zacchaeus. First, we were told that he was a chief tax collector. Second, we are told that he was very rich. And third, we were told that he was also very short. I can imagine that Zacchaeus probably had a very tough time growing up, possibly ridiculed all of his life because of his size and looked down on figuratively and literally. How many times in his life had he been, had he been rejected and put down? How many times had he had been made fun of and called names? You all know them. How many times in his life had he been rejected and put down? How many times had his heart been broken and his affections rejected, never accepted, never respected? May have had an even little uh, Napoleon complex, who can be sure. Sooner or later, he may have began to resent his people as much as he wanted to be accepted and loved by them. Sooner or later, he may have wanted to make them pay. Through the Romans and through the coming of the Romans, he may have seen his opportunity. You see, at this time, the children of Israel have been conquered by the Romans. Through force of arms, the Romans have turned the children of Israel into subjects of the Roman emperor. It is no secret that every good Hebrew hated the Romans with a very special passion and viewed them as pagan 
foreign invaders. The Roman Empire would demand a tax from all of its subjects for the glory of Rome. And they would employ tax farmers from within the conquered people to collect the tax from every Roman citizen for the empire in that area. Not every Roman citizen, but every Roman subject who lived in that area. This, of course, made the tax collector one of the most hated people in the Jewish community. Just think about how each one of us feel about the IRS. And then multiply that by about 500. Nowhere in the Bible or anywhere else for that matter is the tax collector spoken of positively. In Matthew 5 and 46, it reads, For if you love those that love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? They were looked at as traitors to their people. One of the lowest forms of life. They were seen as leeches who profited off the pain of their people and off of their toil. They were Uncle Tom's. They were considered unclean to associate with in the community, and because of their connection to foreigners, they were not even allowed in the temple. They were among the most hated people in the Jewish community. But because they were representatives of the Roman Empire, so to speak, they were pretty much untouchable. You see, if you assaulted or killed a tax collector, you would be crucified as an insurgent against the Roman Empire. So the people of Jericho hated Zacchaeus. I picture them spitting on the ground and whispering a curse every time they heard his name or walked by. Oh, there goes Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was said in our text to be a chief tax collector. So he had tax collectors working under him. He was a little man that now had power, and he was now going to make them pay for years of real or perceived ridicule and abuse. He was going to make them pay, and he did make them pay, literally. He became rich by making them pay. He and his crew could stop a person and tax them for nearly everything in that person's possession. A cart could be taxed for each wheel and for the animal that pulled the cart and for each item that was in the cart and for how many people that were riding on the cart. He could be like, well, you know, that's $30 for each wheel on your car and, you know, that's $40, $40, $40. $70 for each person riding in the car. But whatever was going on in Jericho, Zacchaeus made sure that he got his cut. And he would send to Rome the amount that he had bid for the tax. And for anything over that amount that he bid, he could, he could keep for himself as interest. It was the ultimate shakedown, the ultimate protection racket. He had all the money he could want 
but it still didn't satisfy him. There was still something missing. He was extremely rich, but there was still something wrong. He was alone, and he was sad. He was hollow inside, and he was hated by his own people. See the man today with millions of dollars in his pockets. So much money that he can't even spend it all. So much money that he doesn't know what to do with it. They say it's lonely at the top, and they say that the food is much better up there, but you're still alone. The real estate agent says that you can buy a multi-million dollar house, 10 bedrooms in it, but you can't buy a home. You can't buy a home full of love and life and laughter. But you can buy a house. You can buy the most blinged out platinum Rolex in the world, but you can't buy time. The credit card company tells us and used to tell us to chase what matters. Y'all remember the commercial, right? But what matters can't be bought with a credit card. Well, Brother Zacchaeus had all the money he could want, but he still wasn't happy. Something was missing. So when he heard that Jesus was in town, it's hard to know what he may have been thinking. But for some reason, he really wanted to see who Jesus was. Maybe he heard about how this man had healed the sick and raised the dead and fed a multitude with two fish and five loaves of bread. Or is it five fish and two loaves of bread? I sometimes get that mixed up. There was no way to say for sure, but a whole lot of people got fed that day. Amen. Y'all know the story. It was just a bunch of rumors that he may have heard, but for whatever reason, Zacchaeus really wanted to see who Jesus was. And he tried. But he could not see Jesus because he was too short and he could not get through the crowd to get close to Jesus. I wonder how many people saw Zacchaeus trying to get closer to the front and wanted to get a little payback. So they gave him a little mm, elbow to the side of the head or stomped on his foot or gave him a good shove or a, a kick and all of the chaos of the crowd. In any event... It seemed that the crowd was unanimous in their intent to keep Brother Zacchaeus from getting where he was trying to get. But he was smart, Brother Zacchaeus. Always a step ahead. He always knew how to be in the right place at the right time. So in his desperation to see Jesus, he saw the route where Jesus was going through the, through the middle of Jericho and he climbed a sycamore tree and waited. Sometimes you have to be in the right place if you're going to see Jesus. You can't always just stay where you are. Sometimes even though we know that there's nowhere we can go that he can't see us, sometimes we have to climb up a little higher to see him. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't know about you, but I'm trying to climb a little higher. After a while, 
Zacchaeus saw Jesus. There he was, walking, smiling, and touching people not too far from the tree that he was in. And before he knew it, before he knew it, Jesus looked up, looked straight at him and saw him and said loudly, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down. Now, I'm going to stop it right there because for some reason, I don't think that Jesus finished his whole statement at the same time he called Zacchaeus down from the tree. Now, that would be too easy. It doesn't seem like in my imagination that's how it may have went. I think that he said Zacchaeus come down first and then finish the statement after Zacchaeus made it to him. Can you imagine what might have been going through Brother Zacchaeus' mind as he climbed down from that tree and walked through the crowd? Everyone staring at him. Zacchaeus agonizing and thinking, what is he going to say to me? Is he going to condemn me? How did he even know my name? It may have been a short walk, but I bet it felt like an eternity. Is he going to judge me? Is he going to try to make an example of me? Does he know everything that I have done? And the crowd. Everyone say the crowd. The crowd, that same crowd that kept him from being able to see Jesus had to move aside and make a path for Zacchaeus to get Jesus, get to Jesus. Oh, let me tell you something. When your name gets called by God, those same people that stood in your way are going to have to move. I said, when your name gets called by God, those same haters that stood in your way are going to have to move and let you get to where you're supposed to go. Oh, somebody in here, give the Lord some praise on today. <laughs> but you know how much we love to see someone get a spanking when they've done us wrong. Oh, don't try to act like you don't know. If somebody's done you wrong or cut you off in traffic, you would love to see the police see that person and pull them on over. <laughs> but when Jesus told Zacchaeus to come down, I can also picture the crowd thinking, ooh, yes. Zacchaeus is finally going to get what's coming to him. Jesus is going to read of the riot act. He's going to let him have it with both barrels. Ooh, you know how we get. I can see everybody leaning in with great anticipation to hear Jesus condemn Zacchaeus. And then Jesus says it. He drops the bomb. I must stay at your house what the crowd the crowd goes what did he just say there was grumbling why would the messiah want to eat with a tax collector they said he has gone to be guests with a man who was a sinner they murmured they complained they judged. Man would have God give out justice to those they don't like or approve, but he instead gives them mercy. 
Oh, he accepts them. He loves them. If anything, they should have been trying to help Zacchaeus get to Jesus any way they could. But they looked down on Zacchaeus and judged him, never really acknowledging the fact that they were in just as much need of Jesus as he was. Amen. To them, Zacchaeus had no place in the kingdom that the Messiah was going to build. They only thought that they were holier because their sins and wrongdoings were not as open and commonly hated as Zacchaeus' sins were. How many of you know that there are some popular sins out there? And some sins that are more commonly hated sins. We're not going to go down the list, y'all can think about it this week. You know what they are. But no matter how popular or unpopular your sin is, it's still sin. And the wages of sin is death. But no matter how popular or unpopular your sin, Christ came so that you can have life. The crowd judged Zacchaeus and wanted Jesus to condemn him but to their confusion and disgust, Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. The crowd, like us, all wore their mask. Not the mask you had to walk in here with literally, but, you know, the mask. We try to put our best face forward when we come before God sometimes as if to show him and the rest of us here that we have it all together. And we sometimes forget that we ourselves had to walk to an altar once to get saved one day. How many of you remember the day that you got saved? We forget that sometimes we were once in need of cleansing. Like those in the crowd that day, sometimes we like to give off the impression to the rest of the crowd that we were born saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost with a mighty burning fire, holy and blameless. But God knows what you used to be like back in the day. Look at your neighbor and say, back in the day. <laughs> he remembers when you came to the altar and who you used to be and when you were doing what you were doing, when you were doing whatever, whenever, with whoever. Uh, somebody remembered <laughs> we sometimes like to judge those that don't fit our idea of how they should be because they remind us of how we used to be before we found Jesus, before we found our sanity. But he came to save the lost. He came for those that we in the crowd might not have chosen to be lifted up. Oh, I'm just glad that one day he came for me. Somebody give the Lord praise if you're happy that one day he reached out for you and pulled you up out of where you were from that he one day called your name. However, one of the most overlooked but most important members in the crowd that day in this story is the most overlooked part of this account. 
This character in the crowd is the most silent member of the crowd, but the only member in the crowd that did the right thing. The only one that was a part of the crowd that actually did the right thing was the tree. The sycamore tree that Zacchaeus climbed upon to see Jesus. Let me bring it to you. Sycamore trees are said to live more than 500 years. God put that tree there hundreds of years before Zacchaeus was even born so they would be at the right place at the right time to lift Zacchaeus up so that he he could see Jesus. This lets us know that God has everything in place to help you get blessed before you even know that you need to be looking for Jesus. I'm going to say it again. God has everything in place that you need to be blessed before you even know that you're going to need to be blessed one day. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise. I was worried right there. We could cue the band and preach benediction. Amen. And leave on out of here. But for those that are already a part of the church, planted and in place before those who are even hurting even get here, we have to ask ourselves if we are going to be like the crowd that kept Zacchaeus from seeing Jesus. Are we going to kick somebody out of our favorite seat? I know that's nobody here. Are we going to kick somebody out of our favorite place who really needs to be there to hear the word? Or are we going to be like the tree that lifts somebody up so that they can see Jesus? You see, we who already claim to know Jesus should be trying as hard as we can to help those who don't know him get as close as they can to Jesus. Like the crowd that had to get out of Zacchaeus' way when Jesus called his name, we need to realize that Jesus has called the names of those who have come here himself. That person who comes in here from the street, Jesus called their name. That person who just wandered in here with what's going on, what they're doing in here may be racked with pain, and Jesus called their name. Amen. So when we are so concerned about our place close to Jesus, then we are just like the crowd that kept Zacchaeus from seeing Jesus. I'm going to try to lift people up so they can see Jesus. I said, I'm going to try to lift people up so they can see Jesus. I'm not going to stand between someone and Jesus when they come to church trying to get to the Lord. I'm not going to let my behavior my attitude or my response to people get in the way of someone trying to see Jesus when they come to church. Look at your neighbor and say, be like the tree. Be like the tree. There's trees all over here. Amen. But Zacchaeus was probably just as shocked as the crowd was. Here is someone who he had heard had healed the sick, raised the dead, commanded the storm that wanted to come to his, the most hated man in Jericho's house, for dinner. You see, to to eat with someone was a very special thing in 
ancient Middle Eastern and Oriental culture. There were no restaurants or fast food drive throughs back then. No place you could just roll your donkey up and say, give me something to eat. <laughs> Throw them a couple denarii and keep it moving. To eat with someone speaks of trust. Trust that you won't be poisoned. It also has to do with social status. A person of higher rank and status can lift the host or whose house they are dining in with his or her presence by agreeing to break bread with that person. The breaking of bread implies recognition that at least in basic needs that both parties are equally human and that we all have to eat to survive. Zacchaeus, spurned and hated at his, by his people, hated by everyone in town, rejected by his people, rejected at the temple, at church, rejected by his community and the crowd, yet accepted, loved, and lifted by this man named Jesus. Oh, will somebody say hallelujah in the house of the Lord on today? And Jesus would have been telling the truth if he had said, Zacchaeus, you are a dirty, rotten sinner. Repent. Or he would have been telling the truth. That's what the crowd wanted. That's what most of us would have wanted. But instead, it's almost as if Jesus laid out a table before him in the presence of his enemies. Instead of condemning Zacchaeus, he said, let's go to your house. At that point, the religious crowd, judgmental crowd, turned against Jesus and criticized him for spending time with a sinner like Zacchaeus. So off they went to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. Jesus, Zacchaeus, the disciples, and the rest of that complaining, murmuring crowd hanging around outside of Zacchaeus' house, waiting for something to happen. I've always wondered what they did when they went to Zacchaeus' house. Again, some of us would have wanted Jesus to say, sit there and I'm going to preach a sermon to you on sin and the sin of greed and stealing money. Or we would have wanted Jesus to slap him across the head and say, demon of greed, come out, loose here. But the Bible says that Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house to eat with him. I can see them sitting there enjoying a very nice meal, in fact, because Zacchaeus was very rich. So maybe they had a little lamb, some fish, maybe some dates and olives. At some point, Jesus probably looked at Zacchaeus and said, so uh, how are things on the job? And before he knows it, Zacchaeus is pouring out his heart to Jesus, confessing how he had been stealing from the people, how much he hurt on the inside. We don't know what they talked about. Jesus probably told him who he really was as a child of God. He may have told him that things and possessions couldn't make him happy, that only in helping others can he find true happiness? He probably told him that the reason that he was so blessed financially was that so he could bless 
someone else. We don't know. But whatever they talked about, at the end of the conversation, I pictured the kids jumping up and saying loud enough for everybody in the party, because it was a party, everybody in the party to hear, stop, stop the music. Stop the music. I got something to say. Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. I'll give half of everything I have to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore it fourfold. Amen. Jesus then spoke back to him saying, salvation has come to this house. Salvation has come to this house. Why was it that when Jesus said that he was giving the money back, that he had swindled, did Jesus say, salvation has come to his house? Why? Of course, we all know that you can't buy salvation no matter how much money you have. But the most important aspect, what really brought salvation to his house, the one thing that made him give back to the poor and to those that he had wronged was his repentant heart. Oh, come on, repentant heart. Jesus knew that it was his heart that was behind his decision to give back what he had taken. He saw that Zacchaeus no longer wanted to be the man that he used to be. How many of you remember a time when you came to yourself and you're like, I don't want to be who I have been? He wanted to be something more. He wanted to be a different man, a new man. And he was ultimately esteemed more highly than those in the crowd who looked down on him. He was a new creation. Zacchaeus learned that day that if any man be in Christ, they are a new creature. Oh, give the Lord praise that old things have passed away, that all things become new. Oh, let's just worship him for a couple seconds on the day, beloved. In him, you can be a new creature. <laughs> it doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. I'm going to say it again because we all have a past. We all have done things that we are not proud of. It does not matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what you have done in the past. It doesn't matter what your reputation is on the streets. Jesus wants to spend some time with you. Oh, worship the Lord on today. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody giving praise in the house of the Lord on today. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no 
desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Oh, come on, stand up and sing it. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven, its table a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground or lift me Oh, keep on praising them. Someone's trying to come up higher. Everyone bow your heads and close your eyes. So Zacchaeus climbed above the crowd so he could see who Jesus was. And like Zacchaeus, it seems with everything that we've been through in life, we've all had to climb. Some of us had to climb above addiction. Some of us had to climb above adultery. We've all had to climb above what we've done in the past. Someone is trying to climb right now. The things that we've done, if counted, would stand as a great crowd of accusers and accusations against us. They stand between us and Jesus trying to keep us from him. But we have climbed the tree of hope. We have climbed today. We have come to this place, this church today. You logged on right now just to get a glimpse of him. We're all climbing and we've all, we're all looking to see who Jesus is. And he calls us all to come to him. And he wants to come to your house to be with you for dinner. Whatever you've done, whatever you've been, you too are sons and daughters of Abraham. You too are sons and daughters of the promise, the promise of life and life more abundantly. The promise of peace beyond all understanding. The promise that even in the middle of life's greatest struggles, he will never leave you. The promise of life everlasting. Let him come to your house today. Let him come into your life today. 
give your heart to him and let salvation come to your house. For I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would answer, I would come in and sup with them and they with me. So I know that there's someone here under the sound of my voice that feels like God could never love you because of what you've done, because of who you've been. But our Heavenly Father loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you so that you could be saved, so that you could be free. So if someone here is ready to let them into their life today, pray this prayer with me. Dear precious Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for sending your son to die for my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he came down to die for my sins. I believe that he rose again on the third day and I want him to bring salvation to my heart, bring salvation to my life, bring salvation to my house. And I'm going to give my life to him. I thank him so much for forgiving me for the wrong that I've done, for the wrong that I've been. And I will live the rest of my life from this moment on in his power, in his purpose, and in his protection. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Lord, lift me.